All right, you're very welcome along to this week's episode of Dadcast. I don't know which episode of our um, quarantine this is, but well, quarantine seems to be treating all the dads well. As you can see, they've all rolled out of beds. Nathan, how are you? I'm very well, Chair. How are you? Dave is, Dave is here. Dave, how are you? Very well, thank you. Adrian is here. Adrian, how are you? I'm as well as can be expected, Joe. Thank you. Most people are just uh, podcast users and so won't have noticed, but Adrian has just turned off his uh, backdrop here for the video. Uh, he's clearly been very busy experimenting with uh, Zoom settings that make it look like he's part of the Golden Gate Bridge because, you know, very busy pouring, pouring drinks into a bottle this week. Adrian, there you go. What do you, what you're do dealing you... well with this. <laughs> um, I think if you're ever going to go a little bit off-piste, Ger, I think that now is the time. Nobody... Nobody outside of the three other people that are in this group is really going to judge you that harshly for it. And so how really? far off piece have you gone? Um, that's about as far as far off piece as I went. Um, I was originally going to do it. I, people will not have seen this, but I did. Um, I, you, didn't, you, you hadn't seen the original Guinness video. I had, yeah. Right. So this guy... I hadn't paid that much attention to it. Glass or whatever, but blah, blah, blah. So it's like this revolution... Like, what actually happened was I watched that video of the guy and his pouring Guinness into the can and the pint looked unbelievable. And I went and bought six uh, cans of uh, Guinness off the back of it. So that was actually what happened. And then um, I did realize before buying the Guinness that I didn't have the same glass as the other guy has, had. We tried to get a pint glass in the shop. It wasn't happening. So I literally had either a beer, German beer tanker um, or just a, like a normal shitty glass. I later found out we had plastic glasses that would have done the job perfectly. But um, yeah, I poured it into a baby bottle. I couldn't get very much out of it. I was actually trying to figure out how my daughter drinks through the fucking thing because like, I've never obviously, I mean, really tried to drink through a baby's bottle before. It's, uh, it's not, not easy. I couldn't get the Guinness out. That'll work. Take the top off and just land the hatch. Anyway. Maybe Guinness, the consistency is too thick. It was a baby Guinness, Nathan's what it was. Hey. I once went into into Paddy Phillips's in Ballyhonas, which is, uh, without question, one of the greatest places in the world for a pint of Guinness in the little snug down the back. And one of my number one aims when all this is over is to get back in there. And uh, over Christmas, after several pints of Guinness, we thought, let's go on to the baby Guinness. So I went up to the barman, who I'd say was well into his 80s, said, probably, I'd imagine the round was about eight baby Guinness. And he came back with eight little glasses Half full with Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he must have thought we were American tourists or something because he was like, no, no, you just, it's fine. No charge. Just test it out. No charge. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have eight more, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, mind you, a pint of Guinness and Paddy Phillips and Bally Honest is, I'd say, at most about, even still, about 380. So, right. We should all go. Mm. We should do a dad cast from the Stug. And have baby Guinnesses and uh, and see how well that goes for us. So how is everybody getting on, Dave? I might start with you. What um, you know, you were you were one of the first people to be coughed on in this country. It's now become a criminal offence. People are literally going to jail for that. Well, are they? It may become a, have become a criminal offence. So you wonder will anyone see actual uh, jail time on the back of such an incident? No, I'm fine. I've actually found this week to be uh, a little easier to handle than the previous three. I Maybe that's because we're developing a bit of a routine and maybe the two boys are set a little more settled. Um, I'm not quite sure, but last couple of days now have been really good days. Weather helps because the two lads have been in the back garden pretty much on a permanent basis. Yesterday, I was asked to crack open the paddling pill 
and I didn't right. really have the time or the inclination to get that set up. So we just got two large basins, filled them with water, and each lad was able to have his own mini paddling pool, which they loved. And that definitely took two and a half to three hours out of the day on the back of our right. our visit to the park. So uh, yeah, overall, we've had our two days off alcohol, which is Monday and Tuesday. So got back on it last night. And I now have uh, three or four nights of a couple of beers and a movie or something. It's not all bad. Obviously, you'd like things to be different, but of the four weeks we've endured, this has definitely been the easiest of the four for me. Why did you give up booze for two days, Dave? What was the... (laughs) (laughs) Two whole days. (laughs) Monday and Tuesday. Because we genuinely believed there was the kernels of a problem beginning to manifest itself. So we said, well, look, let's, let's show the world that, uh, hang on, man, you don't know me. I can stop whenever I want. So we stopped <laughs> for Monday notes. and Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show those naysayers. Back on it by Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. But um, us, like three bottles of beer, there's, there's no harm done. Um, but it'll only happen on a day where we've got a workout done. Otherwise, the guilt would just be too much to handle. I, I can hear some of these kids in the background, and thankfully they're not mine. Not mine. We just we were just treated to a very interesting parenting um, issue, slight issue, just before we came on air, where one of the dads, uh, one of the dads' children walked into shot and went, um, "Dad, uh, where is Dylan?" To which Dave replied, "Was is he not in the back garden?" Uh, I mean, managing to lose your children while on lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was actually inside dropping off. Making a delivery, and that's why he couldn't be found by the smaller guy. <laughs> Taking a shit. Chopping, chopping the kids in the pool. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, I've had an alien invasion here. I've had multiple alien invasions over the course of uh, the last four or five weeks. I think I'm up to five at this point. Um, mostly they've been on camera. A lot of them have just been audio. Nathan, how many have you had? I I don't think my kids have been on camera yet. Yeah, they I, have. I think they have, they have. have they? Yeah. Well, yeah. one of them maybe on the last dadcast. Maybe that was, off actually, camera, was it? Maybe that was the last dadcast. Mm. That was the only one. Not not on the actual radio. It is a lot of stress. Like I don't mind my kids if we're doing this, if they rock in, or if we're like doing the news round, if it's just off the ball. But you know, when you're sitting there interviewing Shane Lowry, you're like in the middle of it please yeah like you know there's there's certain levels of people you, you want to try and pretend that you're being somewhat professional around i think it would it definitely helps if those other people have kids but if it's like somebody young or i don't know maybe the young people actually think it's um somehow cute or uh something and, and maybe i don't know i think people you know, certainly you, have a little bit of tolerance first you want to be some arsehole to say oh listen this guy, what an amateur. No, I don't think anybody is going to say it's been, going to be critical. In fact, I think uh, Shane Lowry's daughter herself ran in just before we were about to start. He has the old trick of off they go for a walk, so he gets his half an hour. I'd say he was like, yeah, the hour is going to be, the, the going to be an hour and a half. So if you just bring her for an hour and a half, uh, that'll be fine. And you get, yeah, that's a great idea. Yourself. What's going on for the half hour? What did you hear? I couldn't. I don't know. If they, they're just. Uh, they're doing some boring stuff on the work. Is it homework they're doing? You know, you were supposed to spend time with this, and you're just doing boring stuff with your no. work. <laughs> <laughs> they're honestly the regular diecast uh, listeners. Accusation. Uh, I mean, all of all of the stuff is boring, um, especially the bits, unless they're in it, which I think has become something of a challenge for them. Hmm. 
What's Shane, what you were saying? Shane Lowry takes a half hour break from himself, is it? No. What, was I, what I was saying was his just before we started, his daughter arrived in. Uh, ah, sorry. To okay. say hello, so his wife brought the child out for a walk, and I said he probably says, "Oh yeah, it'll be at least an hour and a half here." So he gets himself a sly forty-five minutes to himself. What he does within that forty-five minutes, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, whatever you know, any port in the storm, I believe it's called. Uh, an email uh, dadcast at offtheball.com is the email address if anybody out there wants to, you know, question our sanity or indeed uh, solicit some advice from our other listeners, which is actually the best source of, of advice as opposed to anything from us. Hi, lads, love the pod, says somebody who signs it, Tom Joe, but comes from a different email address name. I don't know why it signs yourself with a different name on an email, but anyway, love the pod, only randomly came across it a few months ago. I wish I had sooner as I've now had two kids, as I've now two kids. I went back to the start and I've listened to them all. Great stuff. My eldest is two years and three months. Eldest is two years and three months. And they have a second one. Okay. I'm going to use Easter to potty train her as it's not as if we can go anywhere. So a perfect time to do it. Potty training, as we mentioned in the pod about making mistakes the first time and correcting the second. What is the method here? Stick them on the potty all day in front and praise results. Appreciate tips. Again, love the show. Uh, from Tom Joe. Um, two years and three months. Unless there's a typo there, my advice is don't. It's far too early, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> dear God, the thought of like having years, to, years too early. My daughter in six months. No way. Well, the, the, we had to do it. Not that. Uh, what age would he have been? Not much older than that, I'd say. Uh, maybe another three months because he was going into Montessori and they wouldn't take them in unless they were fully potty trained. So they're. I mean, right. The kid ain't going to anywhere anytime soon. So I don't know if it's directly in relation to something like that, but um. Yeah, and it went uh, fairly seamlessly for us. Like right. here, there, a bit of shit in the corner there, a bit of piss in the hallway there, but few jellies. That was just you after a few pints, eh? <laughs> hey, a <laughs> uh, few jellies, a bit of Peppa Pig, a lot of praise. And away you go. Uh, it didn't happen. It didn't. Uh, it did not result in a seamless sort of. Oh, that's great. He's now potty trained, and he will never uh, not take a number two or a number one in his pants again. He continued to do that for. He probably still does it uh, at various occasions. So don't be expecting that it's like a click of a finger, sort of magical. Oh, no more, uh, no more of that. Uh, that will happen. And also, as we've just heard from Dave before the pod started, you'll have to be cleaning arses left, right, and centre, which in itself is another. That never stops. Yeah. <laughs> or not, as is uh, the case in, in my house. We had a, an issue this morning uh, where in the downstairs toilet, there was a dump left with no toilet paper. Right, so we just had a shit and left. Now, there's a possibility, I guess, that somehow it was a floater and the toilet paper went down in the flush, but that would, that would assume that they actually bothered their arse to flush the toilet for the first time in their life. So then you're into a, like, how far do I want to take this? Or do you just let them suffer? Uh, through there's the no point. Itching that will come. There's no point opening a criminal investigation. Like... What's what? What's there to be gained from that? <laughs> That's like there's enough stress at the moment without this. <laughs> exactly. Look, you just make sure that whenever there are baths being had, that you know the arse is getting a good clean at least once every three or four days. <laughs> it's, it's, not as if you, it's not as if you, it's not as if you need an investigation anyway. You're going to find out later on tonight who it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. With the whole hand cleaning thing, like oh. now is a good time to remind everybody that like you have to wipe your hole. It's a, it's a bad, not a bad thing. <laughs> Should you, would you not be better off not wiping your hole? I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a good question no. with kids that age. No, wipe, wipe your hole and wash your hands. It's good. It's a two-part act. 
You yeah, have well, a shit, just, you wipe your hole, you wash your hands. Not this, yeah, like... I'm just going to take the, Sorry, Adrian. No, I was just going to say that I'm just taking the having to wash your hand out of the loop because, like, don't do anything. Just take your dump. Don't wipe, <laughs> Walk off. Just walk out of there. Like, job done. Yeah, well, that's our youngest fella. Since he's grown tall enough to be able to stand at the toilet and without having to sit on it, has decided that as long as no part of his hands touches anything else during the process, the subsequent hand washing is not required. He's so right. He, he, re he rests his little. I think that's scientifically proven. <laughs> he re he rested on the edge of the toilet seat, does his job, just steps off, pulls up his drawers, and off he goes. I'm, I can't argue with him. I can't. I can't find a flaw in his logic. You need to shake. You need to shake. Well, the shake, be... the shake occurs as he removes it from the edge of the toilet seat. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Right. But as for regar as We're regards really our listener, <laughs> as regards our listener, I, is it, did he say it was a boy or a girl he was looking to train? It's a girl, so maybe girl, he's right so to go for it now. I think he's probably right. Like, our youngest was two years, nine months, maybe. Maybe a little younger than that, and... We were very lucky that time. It went really well. And it is the perfect set of circumstances. You're confined to the house. The weather's pretty good yeah. at the moment. So they're going to be out in the back garden if this sister has a, is lucky enough to have a back garden. And you just make sure she goes au naturel for as long as it takes. And make sure there's a potty next to her all the time. And uh, be willing to scrape a bit of, you know, off the ground and off the tiles and off the hardwood floors and off carpet or couches if necessary. But it, I wouldn't encourage him not to do it now i think it's a great opportunity to see for first crack at least if it's doable um okay one of the things that you want to talk about specifically dave on this podcast was the compliance or lack of it from uh irish people right yeah uh what what is your issue here and uh what do you think is the correct course of action for us when it comes to people who aren't doing what we're supposed to all be doing. See, yeah, I don't know. It's Look, it's a difficult one to argue. And we, the four of us may have diverging opinions on it, depending on our viewpoint. I see a lot of blowback, say, on joggers, for example, and I would be one of those joggers. Um, I always ensure that I am the person who makes all the effort to avoid anybody else when I'm out. So if that involves you know, crossing the road or running on the road or stopping running entirely to ensure there is some space left for whoever's coming towards me. It's my responsibility to keep the space because I'm the one traveling at a faster pace to someone with a buggy or someone who's walking. But obviously not all joggers do that. And it's similar case with, you know, cyclists running red lights. There's a few bad eggs out there and it, everybody then gets tired with the same rush. All cyclists do that. All joggers are spitting. And uh, I heard you say in an OTBAM this morning, uh, emptying their, their nostrils like a footballer on the pitch. Who do, who do you think I was, you know exactly who I was thinking about. Who do you think I was thinking about? Who was the best in the world at emptying his nostril when it comes to football? Comes to football? Uh, Beckham. Really? No, but it, no, no. Okay, a previous generation who they would have been inspired by in the same shirt. Uh, I don't know. It's Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes used to oh. be able to like empty his whole head. <laughs> he had enough fluid in his whole head to like generate the power necessary. Puddles, puddles of nose jizz. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's the headline for this. Mark Hughes was a hero of mine growing up, so I I, I want to try and launch a 
a staunch defense of them in this regard, but I don't have any evidence to the contrary right now. But yeah, I, I think that everyone's getting fed up with this lockdown. We've already only been in the official portion of it for a week, a week and a half, but it feels like we've been there the full month since Leo brought an end to the schools. And we're going to be in this longer than we need to be if people out there don't adhere to the restrictions that have been laid down by the, by the HSC. Yeah, I saw a couple of tweets last night. One was of a street in Dublin, supposedly, where there seemed to be a bit of a street party ongoing. Another was of a traffic jam on the N11, which I thought the people who were the subject of that traffic jam were being unfair, unfairly criticised, given that there was probably a guard at checkpoint up there somewhere. A lot of people are probably working in essential services were making their way home. And it was rush hour, if there is still a rush hour in these times of a Wednesday evening. So I thought there was some vitriolic criticism of anyone who was in their cars uh, in that particular video. But there's no doubt that there are a lot of people out there that think the rules don't necessarily apply to them. Whether you're heading to your holiday home or you're driving to the beach. Like if you need your car to get to where your destination is, you're obviously breaking the rules because yeah. you're traveling further than 2K. Why can't we just adhere to what are pretty simple rules and we know the reason those rules are in place. Like you may as well be walking up to someone who's on the front line and sticking the two fingers up at them. I thought, yeah, I think you're completely right about the um, traffic. I'd seen a tweet from Kieran Cuff last week that said traffic on the M50 was down to a third of the usual level. And so I, I tweeted that and put out, you know, maybe perhaps if you have three lanes and you close it down to one and you put a blockade in place, traffic is going to look really bad. And yeah. everybody in that line of traffic would actually probably be about the right amount of traffic that you should have for people who live and work in Dublin but might live in Wicklow or Bray and have to use that piece of road as opposed to it being disgraceful that they were exactly. all abandoning the city to go to their holiday homes. How many people have holiday homes? I'm actually <clears throat> mildly concerned that there is somewhere a policy to make us all turn on each other as opposed to actually continually, continuing to actively ask questions about how is the country dealing with this? What are our plans for the economy down the line? Like, what are we actually going to do with our education system? What are we going to do with our social welfare system? How are we going to get people back to work? These are the most important questions that we should be having and hashing out on social media and in our Zoom meetings and in WhatsApp groups, as opposed to, look at all those fucking cunts heading down to their fucking holiday homes. Who the fuck do they think they are? Which is exactly what's happening. And that's not going to lead to a good place. Yeah, but you don't need to deal with the problem that's in front of you. And we're trying to get a grip on this. And if there are thousands of people going down to their holiday homes... But are into, there? Well, you don't know if there's not. Well, uh, where's the evidence that there are? Here's the thing. I, what I do know is that those traffic levels are exactly what the traffic levels have been for the last week or so. There's not a surge. Somebody actually sent me the specific facts and figures for how many cars there were on the road at the M11 at that, at the N11 at that specific time versus where they should be. And it was way down on where it had been the previous week. So there's no suggestion that there's a thousands and thousands of people escaping to their holiday homes. Bear in mind that if you live in, in Wicklow or Bray or anywhere down there and you usually use, or Corey, and you usually use public transport, you're more likely to be getting out of public transport and into cars for social distancing reasons. It actually, it makes more sense for them. So, so sure, I'm sure there are some assholes out there, but if we all start fighting with each other and calling people scumbags when they're actually just in their car on their way home from work, like, how does that benefit anybody? We've all come out of work at, say, one in the morning, for example. Or if, say, you've gone out 
with your mates and you've decided you're not going to have a drink and you're driving home at one or two in the morning. There's nobody on the road, supposedly. And we've all been stuck in a gridlock because there's road work somewhere down the line. Or the M50 has been closed, closed down to one lane, for example. And we've ended up in a traffic jam at a, an hour of the day where it really shouldn't be the case. I just thought that it was probably an ill-advised tweet that got an awful lot of people very angry over something that is probably very easy to explain away. But, and you're right, Chair, I do fear that already, given that we've only been in uh, self-isolation and under lockdown for a fraction of the time, say that the Italians or the Spanish have been, really, really only three or four weeks into this, how can we be turning on each other already? And my fear is that it's almost certain that tomorrow that uh, Minister Harris or the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar is going to confirm that this is being extended for at least another fortnight, if not another month. We are at best only halfway through this, at the very best. I think people just need to hit the reset button and accept the situation and calm the hell down because otherwise there is nothing good going to come from this. I think that like social media sometimes... I don't really see the issue with the picture. Well, it was what the picture was suggesting. And I think that the... Picture of everybody... It's a... Everybody's disgraceful. That was the point. These, these who's people, everybody? These... Who's everybody? They're just like shouting at the sky here. It, if anything, it's a beneficial because people who were maybe thinking of going down to their holiday homes will look at that and think it's just not worth the bloody hassle. You're going to be stopped. You're going to be turned around. Yeah, I don't know. My, I think Dave's point, and certainly my point was that calling everybody who's in those cars scumbags and arseholes is making the anger levels rise. The rage, the anger is on. And when the anger is on, we all know bad decisions get made. Like, I just, I think that everybody needs to calm the fuck down. Calm the fuck down. I think the context to it was that guy who, you see that video, that guy that was sort of went out for a drive, pulled up by a guard, made this defensive. It was pre the um, law getting changed where he was like, yeah, I'm just out for a spin. What are you going to do about it? Did you see that video? No. I, assume that it was, I thought it was like a, uh, one of these viral sensations. But he's just sitting there. He has the camera sort of trained on himself. You can't see the guard. And he's saying, the guard pulls him in and he's like, oh, where are you? What are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just out for a drive. You know, I might go and see the girlfriend. And the guard's like, well, like, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, am I, is it illegal for me to go for a drive? So obviously the conversation ensues and the guy is just trying to prove his point because he's obviously trying to camera on himself to see something. He's an arsehole is the point. And I think that probably a lot of people have seen that. And I think that that's probably the fountain of some of this. And then we've seen, there's been bits and pieces of social posts from various people at um, rural or tourist havens around the country saying, can you please stop coming to this place? So I think that people mm. matched one with the other and maybe had a one-on-one one one and come up with three, I think is a definite possibility. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, are people, I, there, there is, there is obviously, I've seen some people put out the argument that like, if I'm driving from my house to my holiday home, and I'm not interacting with anybody to get there, well, like, what's the problem with that? I think that part of the difficulty is that we're all in such an uncertain um, place that none of us actually really know what the right thing to do. But in that context, my view would definitely be if we don't know what the right thing to do is, uh, uh, if we don't know that it's not right to go to your holiday home, if you're fortunate enough to have one, uh, but we do know the right thing is to stay at home, then just stay at home. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that's pretty easy. I, I, I just I think it's very important that um, we've given the guards unbelievable new powers and there's no, no um, as far as I can see, no sunset clause on that. So need to just make sure that those powers are being used properly. Need to make sure that the people are being informed of exactly what's happening. 
and that the conversations about those type of things as opposed to us all killing each other about, you know, a bunch of people leaving work, getting in their cars and then becoming social pariahs on the basis that I went to work because I'm supposed to go to work and actually I'm keeping the show on the road here. Yeah, but I think they're like Dave's right. Like we're only, well, we're what a month today into since the schools closed and nearly two weeks now since the proper lockdown. And so I generally am only going into town on a, on a Thursday evening. And I was even surprised last Thursday evening, how many people there were out and about walking, jogging, chatting, going through Rakar and you could tell there was one family coming one way, one family coming another, two kids are running up to you. Like, are people just getting bored of this? It was the, the Thursday before felt, even though lockdown hadn't fully come in, felt like a lockdown. The streets were pretty much deserted. Whereas maybe the good weather is a big part of this as well. And mm-hmm. while it's great in one way that you can get out a little bit, that it's really brought home to people that they can't do exactly what they want. And the people are taking a few more risks. And also maybe the fact that the numbers so far haven't been to the level that we thought. Like Leo Varadkar was talking about 15,000 cases before the end of March at one stage. And we're mm-hmm. still not only about a third of the way to that figure. But it, it but can't be complacency. Actually... There's no room for complacency. Like the numbers have gone up pretty much every day, bar maybe two days. Yeah, but they, like got, they've gone up, but not to the level of not, other countries. No, I think, I think that uh, they did a good job at managing think, expectations. Well, maybe there's a better chance that actually I won't get it than I thought maybe a couple of weeks back. Yeah, they did a good job of managing expectations with that 15,000 figure. And we came in, what, about, was it about 3,500 by March 31st or some, somewhere close to that? But look, we're still seeing the number of deaths rising daily. We're seeing, still seeing the number of cases rising daily. I'd say you're right. It's more of a case that people are bored with being inside. And it's more difficult to stay inside when the weather is out and when the weather is good. And your kids are scratching at the doors and they want to go out and they want to talk to people. I just, it, look, it is a difficult one. Like I would say, we, I would say, broke the rules yesterday in that we got put the lads on their scooters and we went to a park that there are generally very few people in. And we sat in the middle of a football pitch and we were there for about an hour and a half, two hours. And we had a picnic and we played whatever, a different amount of sports. And we talked and messed around for a little while. At no stage were we within 20 metres of anybody else, probably even more than that. And then on the walk home, obviously, you might have to, step to the side or step to the edge of the curb just to ensure there is that two meter gap but technically i would say we were breaking the rules we were within our two kilometer radius but we weren't engaging in a short period of exercise or an essential trip outside because we were out there for for a couple of hours so good question. Sure somebody... I've, I've seen people yeah i've seen people sort of posting online about going to the park and it's a good question because like you talk about obviously having the journey there or back and we're fortunate enough to be in a position where there is a park within two kilometers and i've been debating about it but um, like most of that walk to get to that park, we would do anyway as part of our daily exercise. So at that point then, I guess the only thing that I was thinking about was that like with the sunny weather that everybody decides that they're going to the park, at which point it's an absolute shit show. And maybe just the best thing to do again is no more than we were just saying in that context, just stay there, stay away from it. I don't I, know. Well, surely if, you, surely if you get there and it's really busy, you leave. That's the obvious thing to do. It's not to like just mm. pull it out and go. Well, I'm I'm gonna because at that yeah, point I'm here now. You know, yeah. you're, well, yeah. So what? It's uh, first come, first served. Yeah. Well, I mean, so is your? Do you think the park should all be closed, Nathan? I'm. You see, I'm kind of undecided in all this because everyone's in a different position, and we haven't we've been to the park in about two or three weeks, but we have a green right outside our house where the kids can go and play football, so we don't need to. And 
like everyone's in a different situation. And I keep trying to remind myself of that when you see, even maybe going back to going through town, like the amount of people who are probably stuck in apartments in town with kids and there's no back garden, there's nothing that they just need to get the hell out of the bloody house every so often. So it is hard yeah. to be critical. I think though, if you're in a position where you don't need to be going to the park, you shouldn't be going to the park. That's if you can get whatever exercise and anything else you need closer to home, that's what you should be doing. But again, what do you have? A guard standing at the door of the park saying, show me your house. Could you not have gone here? Yeah, well, if they thought it were that bad an idea, they, they would just shut them down, wouldn't they? Like if it was, this is not... Well, it's what they've done in, what they've done the in Paris now, isn't it? Well, and so there's loads of places, there's loads of little green areas around here in various education establishments where there's public access and they've all been shut, padlocked, and um, some other green spaces that were unbelievably valuable to us as like within our 2K radius, you could walk into, let the kids have some races, let them run around a bit and tire them out and then walk back. They've shut, but the park hasn't shut. And I think, Dave, you're totally entitled to go down and... Like that is your day. That is your daily exercise. The, the, like kids can't do like a timed thing on a Fitbit, where you go. I got my five k in. My heart rate is certain level. I'm gonna be okay now because I've I've done my bit today. My endorphins are gonna run. Like the kids need that extra little bit of time. And I think I think that's the way you provide it is socially responsible. It's it's not those people. It's not you. And uh, I would I would totally I would see. Her, Unless they do close all the parks, I'd see that's in our future as well. It's the people queuing for chips and hope. Oh, they're the ones that's... who are giving people the bad name. Like and they're, the queue in hope got the same response as the queue on the M11. And I'm like, these are totally separate things. Everybody needs to just be a bit more nuanced about this. Mm. Step back a little bit. Just because somebody tells you this is disgraceful, just just to ask everybody, is it actually disgraceful? Is this automatically going to lead to an explosion in our figures? Well, no, is the answer. It won't. Certainly not the people in the cars who aren't passing it on to anybody. But I wonder why certain why uh, certain establishments are still open. Obviously, restaurants are doing takeaway. We've got takeaways ourselves here. But I don't understand how a, a responsible outlet can allow a queue to snake around the block. No, a queue that is specifically waiting to go into their place and to buy something. I can't really understand how that's still happening and how nobody in that queue is saying to themselves, this is wrong. We really should not be here. We are opening ourselves to uh, infection. We're opening our loved ones to infection. Do we really need this bag of chips that badly? Why don't we just step out of this queue and go home? And there, are, there, my home. there are a lot of, like the thing that we need to acknowledge that, that there are a lot of Matt Leticias out there who don't really believe that this is anything more than just a bit of a flu that, why don't we, why don't we, I'm in a WhatsApp group that we got a message in the other day where somebody was like, oh, this friend of mine was saying that, um, you know, why don't we, um, have all these shutdowns and like why why isn't society as impacted to do with heart disease that's killing 10 times the number of people or cancer that's killing 20 times the number, whatever it was like there are there are still people who really just misunderstand what's happening here like i.e the fact that you obviously can't get heart disease from the guy in the next aisle when you go do your shopping um so i what i would say is that um yeah there's probably a, there is probably a pile of people and maybe the vast majority of the people who are in that line in halt. To be fair, that was maybe a couple of weeks ago where the people should have understood, but maybe quite didn't at that point. But there's probably a lot of people in that queue who are just like, ah, it's the flu. Like, I don't care if I get it. Yeah, there are enough ignorant and selfish people out there to form any amount of a queue. But there have been other photos more recently of other 
queues for chippers in different towns around the country that like I'd, I'd be agreeing with Jerry. I would absolutely separate those pictures from the ones we saw on the N11 last night. But uh, on more cheery matters, any other time fillers that you guys have come across and decided to add into your schedule since we spoke last week? Yeah, there's this great invention called YouTube and it never ends. <laughs> it just never ends. It's, it's incredible. Had you not uh, previously, one of you before was saying that you don't let your kids use YouTube. Yeah, no, uh, that's... Uh, well, yeah, no, we would we would generally be uh, very strict on YouTube, and they're not allowed to watch YouTube unless we're in the room, just because I don't know they can go off. But yeah, no, that's been uh, loosened up a little bit. I'd still prefer them to be watching the TV or playing Minecraft, anything that isn't this goddamn Preston guy who has twenty four married to another YouTuber, and he has like twenty million followers, and she has twelve million followers, and they're making about five million quid a year, and. Uh, yeah, he's basically the devil. So it's begrudgery, basically, is your reason for not wanting him to be on <laughs> yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I'm just jealous of, of this guy. You should have said uh, a white, white channel, Nathan. You'd be... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. It's called, it's called off the ball at this stage, pretty much. Wine Wankers is already taken. How much progress are you making on that, that box? Uh, not uh, much. Like I was a bit worried now by... Because I'd say we tore into it last weekend. Um, but... Yeah, I've tried to ease up a little bit, but I'd say now the next few days will be, it's my 10th wedding anniversary today. Ah, oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So I, there'll be a wild celebration, as you can imagine. So there'll be another couple polished off tonight. Uh, you must have and another a bit of wine as well. What? Hey! Uh, I hope I hope she's listening and that you're getting none of it tonight. <laughs> she doesn't need to be listening. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, dear God. Uh, so, something we stumbled across is uh, art, art hub for kids on YouTube. It's absolutely mm. class. Um, it just shows you in a real detailed step-by-step -step tutorial how to draw Sonic the Hedgehog, how to draw Super Mario, how to draw a zombie. Um, I've engaged in it with as much enthusiasm as they, my eldest has and being very honest, taking way more pride in the results than I really healthily should be. Mm. I've gone back even when no one else is looking and, and looked at what I've produced and thought, well, I've given myself a virtual <laughs> pat on the back. So I <laughs> Anytime I manage to draw in between the lines, I'm just delighted with myself. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, my kids have got into that literally, I think this week, and it's unbelievable. It's so good for their confidence as well because the tutorials are so in depth. It's very hard to go wrong, and so like they're drawing these um, ninja Lego Ninjago figures that look incredibly complicated, and they're absolutely delighted with themselves. And also, each video seems to take about half an hour. And they love it so much that they almost immediately ask for another one. It's great, yeah. and like I can, they can watch as much YouTube as they want. We have it streamed onto the TV in the kitchen and they're sitting maybe five, six meters away from it. So like it, it, it is a great situation for them to be in. They have all the crayons and colors out in front of them. The youngest guy sees what's going on and he tries to get stuck in as well. Of course, he continually shows you something really, really shit and you have to tell him how amazing it is. But that's all part of the process as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I was, um, I was sort of dreading this week because there was no school and there'd be no real focus or uh, no plan for the day but actually this week has been the easiest week turns out school has just been a lot of stress 
getting angry maybe, from a very early no, stage of the morning. I mean, that, that might be, there might be something in that, like uh, not having them do, I mean, what age are our kids that this is going to critically set them back? Well, ultimately, all school is a competition against your peers, right? Like, it's that's more of the habit, though, Jer, is it not? It's, I'm worried about but, if we decide, well, look, they're on near Easter holidays anyway, and we won't open the book for two weeks. I'd just be worried that when it comes to re-engaging, that it'll be all the more difficult to do that if they haven't seen anything for a fortnight. But they're not going to be re-engaging properly until September. That's like, you know, unless you're absolutely dedicated to being a home teacher and, and fair oh, play to if you are. Oh, I'm definitely not. But what's what's the point of everybody getting stressed about like, so do a little bit of stuff. Like watch the kids schooling stuff on the telly, which seems to be everybody's raving mm. about it. Like have some conversations, ask Gaelga with new words and like, but chill out, chill out. Like all that pressure that everybody's putting themselves under for ultimately a problem that's going to, everybody has and it will be fixed in September when everybody goes back to school, if, if everybody goes back to school in September. Um, you, you chill know. out. I am chilled out. <laughs> <laughs> Moon toward I. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. It's easier to say because we like in, in this house, you probably see both sides because uh, my wife is doing some teaching and that she's sending certain things out. And like the one thing that all the teachers are stressing is do what you can, do what you can. Like, there's no, don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to finish all this in the one day. But then when it arrives in for our kids, we're like, Sit down there and do this for the next six hours. Whereas actually, yeah, maybe you could just get away with doing a couple of hours. And maybe it's the weather. It's a bit easier because they can go outside. It, that definitely helps. I presume you can hear the screaming in the background here. Ooh, and the slamming of doors. <laughs> and the stomping yeah. up, the, up the stairs. Live sound effects there. Tell your wife we weren't talking about her. <laughs> hey. Uh, um, yeah, so we could just keep this going for another couple of hours. Is that is that possible? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm surely not the only one who does that. That when these things finish, you still just sit here for another twenty minutes, pretending it's still on, <laughs> <laughs> chatting to yourself, <laughs> <laughs> microphone in my hand, just giving uh, giving the stare whenever the door opens. <laughs> I'm gonna go red Mike Mike Live Light on the door and come down every time. I was thinking about the um, Paul Rudd, this is 40, where he's in the jacks having the secret shit and it doesn't smell and his wife rumbles him because it was like, I realized there was something nagging me about that scene. It was completely unrealistic because the kids weren't bursting in every two or three minutes. Like, I don't know, it did just open the door and irrespective of what you're doing, they're coming in and, uh, it did, you know, I realized that it's like, it's a different version of that in, in my life, irrespective well, of what, what you're doing. What, what, what do you mean irrespective of what you're doing? Like, what could you be possibly doing in there? Having a shit, Adrian. Even if you're know, having a like, shit, the, that's kid, what I mean. the kids don't care. If you're, yeah, but, what I mean is, even uh, if you're actually having one as opposed to a pretend one. <laughs> is there an age from which you should like uh, proactively shield your children from uh, bearing witness to this? I mean, <laughs> what are you asking there, Adrian? I'm saying, like, is there some point you just turn the lock in the door and say, listen, I'm fucking taking a shit and you ain't coming in? Yeah, well, that, that would imply that there is a lock on the door. You have The other question is, at what age do you start to put keys in the locks of the doors again? Because the problem is with a three and a five-year-old in the house, you put a lock key in the door, they lock the door and then can't unlock it, which has happened on at least two or three occasions in our house. So only when you're happy to bring the keys back out will you then have the space for a little bit of privacy in those situations. You can get one of those internal latches that 
you know, like there's a deadlock in the back of it that you can turn, so it's not an actual key. And if you were above sort of, I don't know, nine, you'd be able to put a key into it and open from the outside. Which would buy, buy you a few years, Dave, at this stage. Yeah, very complicated. I would say that we had some bad news last weekend and my Nana passed away on Saturday evening. And, oh, sorry to hear that. Um, sorry to hear that, yeah, no, yeah, we, yeah. We, thanks a million. We, we we were we were okay. She was she was she was a great age, and she had she had a very good run, and um, everyone was around her when she passed as well, which was lovely. But on S- Sunday, I went up to 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 the house. It's in in Cavan, and obviously went up to the funeral on Monday. But lads, the ninety minute drive up and back on both days, the serenity and the peace, and you know the the belting out the Backstreet Boys as I flew down the, the motorway towards uh, towards Virginia. It was something that reminded me of how amazing it is to be in the car on your own, driving somewhere where you just do not have to speak to anybody. You're alone with your thoughts. There's uh, no, you don't have to spend that hour and a half trying to figure out what you're going to do with the kids. What are they going to have for their dinner that night? Have they done their homework? Are they getting enough vitamin D? Is it a problem that it's four in the afternoon and they're still in their pajamas? It was it was an incredibly peaceful half an hour and a half up and back. I must say, I, I, I'm I'm getting from this, Dave, that uh, your grandmother, God rest her, was not the type of person who would have been expecting you on that long drive to be, uh, you know, contemplating life, and that she'd be quite happy that you were <laughs> in full flow with the Backstreet Boys and thinking this is as good as it gets. And I'll do a deference and reverence to my my late granny. I have spent enough time over the last four weeks contemplating life and the meaning of life and what the future holds for this world. I didn't need to be doing it in the in the car up and down there. But I remember Mick O'Dwyer when he used to be asked, Mick, really, why are you managing Leash and Wicklow and these counties? Uh, some would say there may have been a couple of other reasons, but he used to say he absolutely loves driving. And I never really appreciated that until that drive on Monday and Sunday. <laughs> I'd say he was on better mileage than you, Dave, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, the mileage, the mileage rate was probably a little more generous than the one I'm on. But um, What was the funeral the, like, Dave? Like, was, it, was it one of these that you're seeing pictures of now where actually nobody could go into the funeral home? Or Yeah, that's an interesting one. And obviously there'll be a lot of people listening to the podcast that uh, may, w- w- might be fearing such a situation or that maybe have had someone in their family that has passed away over the last month. But... I, and this is only my personal opinion, may, somebody else in my family may have had a different opinion on it, but I actually, I thought it was really nice. I thought it was a really special funeral. Just the, the double digits in the, in the, in the, at the chapel, uh, it was very quiet. We all sat a good distance away from each other, but I just thought it was nicer that it was just us um, in the house beforehand as well, before, when my granny was laid out and before she was brought to the church. Again, it was really just us. Um, I thought that was really special. Everybody had their own time and space to say their goodbyes. Where, you know, the typical country funeral, and a lot of people embrace this as well, because it does help Irish people deal with grief in some ways when there are a lot of people around and there's a lot of tea and a lot of sandwiches and a lot of hands to be shaken. Um, This was obviously a very different experience. And personally, I thought it was a really special experience as well. Um, But I'm sure if you could ask maybe my brother or my mother or somebody else involved in the funeral may have a different opinion on it. But there there are pluses to it. Now, we're not in a situation where, you know, a family member has been lost to COVID-19. You can't even go into the hospital to say goodbye to them. Um, we've seen pictures of somebody standing by the graveside on their own. We weren't in that situation. Mm. That must be absolutely heartbreaking and harrowing. That was not our circumstances. But this particular funeral, I actually thought there was something rather special to it. Um, 
can I just ask a question you, you raised there about uh, over the last four weeks, thinking a lot about life. Is this going to change you? Uh, I don't know. I've, we've talked about this in the last few weeks as well. I, I, I hope it does, but I fear it won't. I fear that once some semblance of normality returns, that it'll only be a matter of weeks before we are back thinking about the same material things, back taking very obvious things for granted. Look, we've all had shocks in our life that make us vow to ourselves that our sense of perspective will endure. And it never does. Like maybe someone our age has, you know, a guy we grew up in in Castle Lock, he, he tragically died there a few years ago. It was just the most shocking, heartbreaking, harrowing incident. And all you could do was think about him for the days and weeks afterwards. But life goes on and life just continues. And yeah, my fear would be that in a year's time, we won't have forgotten COVID-19 and the pandemic. But the human race, is a, it has a very short memory. And I would worry that our sense of perspective will be short-lived. Short I really hope I'm wrong. And that a sense of decency that maybe we haven't seen in the 21st century returns. But my fear would be that it won't. Yeah, like I think that there are certain aspects of life as it was a month ago that I wouldn't make any apologies about wanting back, right? Like... Uh, I mean, there are many of them, but like the routine for kids, the social interaction for kids, the schooling for kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and areas of your own existence as well. So I suppose it's just, is there some positive legacy to be left out of it? Uh, like I've spoken on this podcast before and elsewhere about the connection with people that I'm finding, like still continues out for a walk yesterday again. A woman walking up the road, never met her before in her life. And you stop and have a conversation with her. Like, uh, that's really, you're only having that conversation in the context of the madness. I'm not doing that at all, by the way. That is literally the only person yeah. I know who's like, yeah, you're like, ah, how are you there now? Like an old man on a gate in the, yeah. the farm. I, but I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I find I'm like, I'm uh, raising to the task. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm actually. Uh, have you got a reputation in your area now? Oh, not your man again. Here's your people man, are, yeah. Oh, you're like, I did actually get hey, stuck with a, I did get stuck you're with. You're right, Adrian. There is a, there's an awful lot more interaction on the street with people. Like, for example, yeah. like there's a lot more nodding. There's a, like, if I make an effort to step out of somebody's way or, or open that two meter gap, or maybe on our approach, we could see that we weren't going to have enough space. There is a nod. There's a silent yeah. nod, a gesture of appreciation. That, that never, not in Dublin anyway, down the country, yeah, that still endures. But I have found myself, you know, making eye contact with passersby far more often mm -hmm. than I would have in the past. I yeah. hope that is something that endures. That well, you do I, see, just acknowledge the presence of another human being. I think I'm. I'm actually sadly think that that's something that won't because I think that that connection is really only in relation to the madness that's going on. It's like, how are you getting on? Are you all right? Yeah. Um, and it's only in the context of the craziness. Like once that lifts and people are going about their daily lives, you give less of a shit about how mm. they're feeling. They give less of a shit about you. So unfortunately, as much as I would like to think that um, something like that could. Um, but yeah, I think that people are, are being brought back to basics, like forced back to basics on a whole load of different levels, like even in relation to ourselves, obviously, and our families. There's far more, whether we like it or not, and there are aspects of it that we definitely don't, but there are far more, uh, there's far more of a connection now between, I find anyway, between me and my kids, because you just really have no option. So it'd be nice that there was some legacy that might exist uh, out of that, but who knows? 
Yeah, I kind of thought maybe about a fortnight ago that this was going to be a deeply profound period and that I would never be the same and the world would never be the same. But I think as maybe the anxiety levels have dropped, more the realization of like, as Jared touched on, like the economic fallout of this and that it'll probably be quite grim and that rather than this coming to an end and there's almost this wild celebration, it'll come to an end and it'll be back to a, ah, am I going to have more time with my kids or are we all going to have to work twice as hard to sort of sustain ourselves? Like, I just, I'm struggling to see what the, all right, we'll always have the, when we go, things could be worse. We'll now remember what things were like when they were worse. But I'm struggling to see what the long-term benefits of this can actually be. Well, that, that would be, that would be the, the legacy where you would decide that you're going to have more time with your kids irrespective of the fact that the economics are difficult around that because everybody has decided the same thing at the same time. And so therefore we actually, you know, the value that we've placed on everything needs to come down. All our houses are massively overvalued. They should just be the cost of, but uh, this is like a, a socialist dream world where you only have to work four days a week mm. where that's an appropriate amount of time because actually you need to spend more time with your family. Those, those bonds or or socializing or whatever it is that you do with that extra day of the week um because we don't need to i don't know like i i think you should definitely be able to prioritize at the end of this going i need to spend more time with my family because i did for a while and it was really good i think part of the difficulty would be that it's it'd be easier if it was a cliff edge if we were all on this journey and then one day it was all going to stop and after that day we were all going back to normality because it'd be far easier in that instance to actually carry stuff over, but it isn't going to work like that. Obviously, it's going to be this trickle, 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 trickle to the point where you won't even know there'll be an in, in uh, unidentifiable point in time where COVID nineteen is well. I mean, maybe it'll be a vaccine, whatever. Um, but even that, even if that gets rolled out, it'll be that's only going to be a trickle. So I don't believe. I think that that's part of the reason why there won't be like there a cliff edge. It'd be easier to carry stuff over with you. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, right. Anything else anybody wants to get off their chest in this um, weekly counselling session that we've set up? <laughs> Our kids don't get half as much of a mention anymore. <laughs> it's all woe is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think I think that we, we've been doing the diecast obviously up to this point and we're all, we would all be in the same sort of space in terms of the amount of time that we would spend with our kids. And so it was okay to spend an hour talking about our kids because, you know, we would all accept that maybe you could be spending more time with them. Whereas now it's like, well, that's pretty much all we do with life. So now we get an hour to do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about other shit. Right. Did you have any other talking points you wanted to get to, Dave, or we saved them for next week? You've got uh, three minutes, Dave. Yeah, there, were, there was a couple more, but let's hold them off for, uh, for next week's pod because um, I think we've talked enough. Right, on that note, that's another Dadcast in the books for you this week. If you want to get involved, you can email dadcast at offtheball.com or you can tweet us at dadcastpod or indeed on any of our individual Twitter handles. We'll see you next week. Stay well and stay home. Best of luck.